With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever you are in the world. So today is a really fun NFT project, and I'm so, so blessed and gracious uh, to, to be able to have, or graced, to have Kat uh, Cohen on from The Krillist uh, to really kind of help us out with, with our guest today, Pablo. And, you know, Kat, why don't you give a, a quick intro into, into what we're about to talk about today? Well, we're going to get an introduction to... Pablo Fraile, who is very well known in the NFT space. So I'm very excited to hear your story, Pablo, and that aha moment that brought you into this space and mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more also about your background, um, you know, in terms of legendary art collecting and maybe how you pivoted into this world. Fabulous, fabulous. So, so Pablo, let's let's start. You know, like w- let's go way back to to prior NFTs. Like, you know, what, what's your what's your foundation? Uh, you know, as an artist, and where do you get your inspiration? Uh, yeah, well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, so the reality is that you know my appreciation for NFTs really comes down to a little bit unexpected. Uh, uh, in how I think it, it, can, it can build, it, it was built up, but it was really, uh, I'm a mathematician and economist and I was working in finance. Uh, and during the time I was doing my MBA, I realized, you know, I, I wanted to, to try a new path and I, I found out about the concept of the blockchain, which I, 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 you know, I, I understood because of my background and I, and I had a lot of, uh, interest, uh, because of, of just my, my, uh, the way I am, and, uh, and I, I went very deeply into the space. Uh, throughout that, you know, uh, through being an investor and advisor to, uh, to many projects in the space, I realized uh, what was happening, part- uh, starting in the metaverse, so in the virtual world, in the metaverse, uh, where I, I realized this in 2017, uh, this technology, the blockchain technology was being applied to the, you know, to the ownership and to the integration and to interoperability uh, 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 with digital assets and, uh, in this case, with the digital worlds and digital land. And I thought it was a very compelling idea. Uh, so I started, uh, you know, participating, uh, at first as a hobby, as a passion, uh, thing on the side, something, something small. And the reality is that, uh, you know, it kept the interest kept growing. People started seeing the same thing and, 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 you know, m- many projects came, uh, uh, started opening up from, from, from that first idea of the central land. Uh, this was in 2017, uh, and then soon after, uh, well, I guess a few months after, I realized also what was happening in the digital art ecosystem that they were utilizing the same technology. And given my background, I was uh, I was raised in a family that was always uh, uh, um, close to aesthetics, to art, to architecture. Uh, always thinking in very, uh, always living in houses that uh, that were very architecturally thought out and, and generally. Um, uh, very close to the art, never really uh, big collectors in in the traditional world, uh, but always around art and, and, and architecture. And uh, you know, then the marriage was very simple. Uh, the thesis was very clear for me. I realized, understood the technology very well, and realized that this would unlock, you know, an explosion of talent and innovation uh, uh, of all these new generations that are, you know, are living their life through the digital domain. 
with everything that they do in life, with their computer, with their telephone, they get into a car, everything's digital. It's just normal that not only the creative part, but the enjoyment of the creative part also comes in some way, shape, or form in the digital sense. So uh, I thought it was going to be an explosion of, of talent innovation, and this is what I think we have seen, and, and that was the big aha moment for me. So, so Pablo, as you, you know, kind of, again, give us, give uh, those that don't know you uh, of our audience mm-hmm. kind of a background on, on your traditional like form of arts. Like how do you express yourselves prior to yeah, so, yeah. So, so uh, in, in the traditional domain, I mean, we all know the, the, the art market in the analog no- domain uh, and how it's represented. The reality here is that, you know, these, this uh, technology allows for a different type of interaction between the creatives, uh, in this case the artists, and the and the collectors, uh, uh, yeah. like myself. Uh, where uh, you know before again, there's um, uh, and, and we can talk a little bit of this in more depth because I'm a firm believer that we should find a hybrid of both and utilize this amazing innovation that we're seeing here, but also the the know how and the experience from the traditional world and do this merge where it's going to be a much better ecosystem. But the reality is that this technology allows for the direct interaction with no intermediaries from the actor, uh, from the creator uh, and the collector uh, and the perpetual royalty payments for every work in secondaries, which incentivizes a deep relationship and a common uh, uh, working together towards, uh, you know, a, 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 I guess, bigger project for collectors uh, and more success in general. Uh, so and I, that's, I, and that's I, a huge yeah. point. That's a huge yeah. point that you have right there, which is the royalties on this. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that an artist can be rewarded for every time that that a sale of of their art of their of their expression down the pipe is is a huge game changer uh, for for your for this industry as well as others. What's the what's the perception you know that that most artists have? Do they recognize the value of that? Uh, I think they certainly recognize they certainly recognize the value, and I think it's honestly for me one of the best things that we have been able to achieve through these uh, uh, through this use of the technology. Because you know the the creatives, the the creators in this case, in my opinion, uh, should benefit from the long term appreciation of their works. And this is a fantastic way to do so. However, uh, uh, I think that uh, you know still we need some a little bit of work and a little bit of more dynamism on how the royalties work because at the same. At the same time, they're incentivizing creators to, uh, uh, you know, really get closer to the collectors and push their work and their career f- upwards, but they're also incentivizing in some ways uh, an oversupply uh, and, uh, of work because the more, you know, the more works out there, just if it's activity even at lower prices, it's, uh, it, can, it, it can help. So we need to define a little bit of the dynamics of, of how we work with royalties, but overall, it's a fantastic introduction into this ecosystem, and they certainly recognize and, and very well taken into account, absolutely. Fabulous. Yeah, I have a question. So, mm-hmm. going from uh, co-founding the Museum of, of Crypto Art to Arist, I think for our listeners that would be um, interesting to hear and talk a little bit more about Arist and your platform, which I'm a big fan of, as you know, and uh, just would love to hear a little bit more. Of course, absolutely. So, um, uh, yeah. So again, uh, at, the, at the beginning when I started my uh, experience in this field, it was very little activity. It was uh, it was literally uh, uh, me and uh, maybe a couple other uh, people that were that were a little bit more active in the space. And you know, we we, we started with uh, with an old friend of mine, uh, the Museum of Crypto Art. Uh, that is a project that uh, uh, took a different uh, took a different path. And from there, from my collecting, I started getting very close to all these uh, collectors. I think two fundamental two things that were fundamentally very important happened. One of them, you know. Uh, given that I have I, this, 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 uh, uh, this ecosystem allows for the direct interaction with the artist, I was 
very, very close with everything outside of the creative process uh, through the life and through the careers of these artists, with helping them with structure, pricing, which marketplaces, getting them closer to other collectors, even some PR and communications, just in general, uh, 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 helping them with even some personal things, with things, uh, again, everything outside of the creative domain, because I'm not the creative here, they, they are, and, and that's what they do the best. But uh, uh, and this, this led to a relationship that I think it's, it's a lot more than transactional. I always did this with, uh, with charging zero dollars, uh, just for the love, and uh, for the patronage of the space. And, uh, and, and I have a trust relationship with this artist that is very, very, very important. And then subsequently as well, like very importantly, I was able to, you know, to, to acquire, to collect what is known today as the most important and significant, uh, tokenized digital art collection in the world, uh, that is very, uh, very wide. It's very deep and, uh, contains, uh, you know, most of the, a significant amount of the very, very iconic works that have been released through this medium. Uh, you know, now, throughout this experience, I was realizing, even through my collecting, uh, or mostly through my collecting, that there were some major problems in the ecosystem that were not really allowing for this place to come to, to where we wanted to go, no? Uh, and this uh, this is why we created ours, that I'll, I'll get into it uh, uh, for these three reasons. But um, the number one is that, you know, right now, is, uh, it's uh, the, the user experience. It's, it's, it's not the best. Uh, uh, the pace of innovation and activity in the space is certainly much faster than the pace of the infrastructure. Uh, and the reality is that it's too technical, it's too slow, it's too expensive, and, 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 and in my opinion, a little bit too risky for the, you know, for the average person to come and to operate. It's just too difficult. So we're seeing uh, that a lot of the activity is happening from people that are already in the ecosystem and that, that those bridges are very, are, are, are not as easy to be, are not as easily being created as we previously thought. Uh, the second problem that we have is that we're having, uh, you know, a, a, a curation and oversupply problem where, uh, given the way that, uh, the marketplaces operate, we have been very good at putting works in the blockchain. Uh, but, uh, we haven't given all the support that is necessary for a successful creative career. Uh, again, all the things that we talked about, like the, the, the PR communication structure pricing, uh, like just, everything again surrounding a, a, a thoughtful uh, creative career. Uh, and the third problem is the environmental concerns where, um, uh, you know, I don't think it's the, it's, it's the fault of the creators or of the collectors that are participating in this ecosystem, uh, the carbon emissions that are created through, through Ethereum, because the reality is that most of the activity is coming from somewhere else and there's not a direct relationship between activity and, and, and carbon producing. I will still, Ethereum will still produce uh, the same. But the reality is that we now have uh, a much better alternative, more scalable, more efficient, easier to use alternatives that are uh, environmentally a lot more friendly. And, 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 and I think we have a duty uh, to go in that direction and, and do so, uh, uh, and do so that way. So, uh, this is why we, we launched Arist, which is a, a next generation, uh, uh, cultural institution that is really trying to be the bridge between the traditional and digital, uh, between the, the old and the new, and, and where we, where we're digitally native, but always have presence at the glo at the global events, uh, uh, pushing the boundaries of art and technology. So, uh, we had the big, uh, screen of Refika Nadal in the beach in the, during Miami Art Week. I don't know, uh, if, if some of you attended and, and were able to see. Uh, I see, I think, Refika Nadal there behind you, Kat. Uh, beautiful, beautiful work. <laughs> One of my favorite artists. That's a 16 minute long NFT from him, but I, and I have it on an 85 inch screen, but I don't have the right screen yet to show it. I feel I need a bigger okay. screen. <laughs> yes, that yes, shows yes. detail. <laughs> yes, they're mesmerizing. They're incredible work. Congratulations. I love I love everything Rafik. Uh, everything Rafik. 
Uh, and yeah, and then, uh, you know, we continued doing things uh, like in Venice where we had an exhibition with uh, Studio Drift and Don Diablo uh, and one by uh, Rafael Rosenthal, one of the pioneering uh, post-internet artists and, and Jonas Lung with the MVP, which is a fantastic, fantastic uh, uh, generative, uh, generative project that also utilizes the decisions of the audience and the collectors uh, to morph and, 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 and and, and update the remaining works in the in the collection. It's a very sophisticated uh, and a very novel uh, generative type of work, and uh, uh, it was it was what greatly received. But yeah, overall, going back to Arist very quickly. Uh, again, we we are focused. Uh, I feel like we feel like that the uh, ecosystem is mostly focused on on everything decentralized, on the ethos of decentralization. Uh, and again, there's, we're seeing these problems with the, with the user flow and with the creation. And, and, and in our areas, what we want to say is we want to bring the best of the traditional world, the best know-how and experience. And this is why we attracted uh, a, you know, an incredible team. Uh, we have Jimena Caminos um, uh, uh, behind two of the biggest uh, projects, uh, uh, public art projects in the U.S. And, you know, a, a mastermind, one of the most influential people in the art world, an extraordinary woman, one of my favorite people I have ever met. Uh, she's fantastic. We have people like Patrick Foray, who used to uh, um, handle operations at our Basel uh, uh, for many years and was the MD at the Abu Dhabi, uh, Guggenheim, and, and Louvre. And, uh, and in general, just really trying to bring a lot of experience and merging this amazing technology and make it a super seamless platform for everybody to concentrate on the high-quality art. Um, everything in Iris can be done in U.S. dollars, so you can pay with credit card, debit card, ACH, wire, and, and crypto in different chains if you wish. We make it super easy for you. You just log in with a username, a password, and you know, in, in less than 30 seconds, you can participate while everything is still happening on the blockchain. We create the wallet in the background for you, and we make everything seamless. We automatically purchase carbon credits with, um, with every transaction that happens on the platform. Uh, to offset twice the amount of carbon that we that we produce, which is minimal because we work with Algorand, uh, which is an extraordinarily efficient uh, technology, uh, layer one protocol. And just in general, we have all the integrations to just make everything as seamless or even easier than, than Web2 e-commerce platform and just highlight these high, high-quality artists that are really pushing both boundaries of art and technology. What, what is your advice for artists hoping to break into NFTs? Like if you had to give advice today. Yes. So uh, I think that one of the big things that we have seen is, you know, the big promise that you just put something online on the blockchain and it's, run, it's, 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 it's immediately going to be received. Uh, the reality is that I think uh, this is not the case. Many things are, are really important uh, to be taken into account before making this step. The first thing is, the, the market is very clear about this. It needs to be natively digital. Uh, uh, I, it's not the same getting an analog work, a physical work that has been scanned and put into the blockchain, unless it really has a, 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 a you know a lot of depth and sophistication towards how they have done this and why. It's part of the let's say digitalization of the process in a different way than just a scan. But it need, it really needs to be digitally native. The second point that I would say is that. Uh, you know, one thing that fits very well is the proper use of the medium as well. So doing some things with a creativeness that could not have been done before, even in the physical things. So time-based works that really evolve over time with the passage of time and that everything is automatically happening. Generative work, programmable work. I think those all, all of these things are, uh, are, 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 are going to age very well. And then the third and most important thing is, you know, I, I don't believe anybody can do it alone. We're all here rowing in the same direction. And make sure that you don't think that because everything is decentralized, uh, you can find your way around. 
You need people to help you in your career. You need people to get you close to other collectors. You need to make the right choices of marketplaces. You need to get out there in PR and communications. Uh, it's a comprehensive comprehensive approach. It's an entrepreneurial approach, not just a creative one. So please don't jump. Please don't jump just into OpenSea. Uh, if you release your work there, there's not a single artist that has been able to to force their career through there. Uh, uh, that doesn't mean that you cannot do one release there and and and, and do it well. It's it's that like it's 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 not a solution. Just jumping into super rare, into open scene, into any of them, and expect that you're just gonna do well just because you're there. It's it's not the case. Yeah. Sorry, Jay, Jay, muted. I I cannot hear you. Jay, no. We're still, yeah. Hang on. You're muted. I'm going to ask you another question, though, while we go. Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> I have it. so many questions for you. Um, so um, do you think that we're at a critical inflection point for art? Uh, yeah, well, yes, uh, I do. Uh, yes, uh, for two reasons. I do think that in particular, this movement is the most important and significant movement that we have seen in this, uh, at least in my lifetime. Uh, I believe that the most important creators of this movement are going to be significantly more known than the top creators of the traditional world of today, the contemporary arts of today. Not, I have nothing against them. I absolutely love their work. I collect a lot of their work. Uh, uh, but, uh, um, uh, I do think that, again, this is fundamentally uh, uh, very, very different uh, and engaging. I do think that as well, uh, this ecosystem opens a lot of transparency uh, in the art world, which we'll see what effect we'll, we'll have. Um, and, you know, again, the concept of royalties, I think, is going to slightly redefine uh, the way that artists uh, interact directly with the collectors as well. I think it's opening up that, that engagement of artists with collectors directly, where before it was, you know, between walls and between... Uh, uh, other service providers in the middle that were really uh, uh, gatekeeping in, in different ways. I still think that, again, some of these of these institutions bring a lot of value, and I not only look forward, and I, I not only do I work with, but I look forward to continue to uh, uh, integrating more of these services that are that are, are here in the traditional world uh, into this digital domain. Uh, but the reality is that I think it will really open up that conversation. Like, uh, the amount of studio visits, the amount of uh, uh, conversations, the amount of engagement that we have with the with the digital artist, it's uh, it's tremendously higher than uh, than what you can find in the, at least in my experience in the traditional world. So, if you had to define your superpower, what hmm. would you say it is? Ah, that's uh, I've never really thought about this. Um, um, I guess there's a, it's probably a couple uh, that I can think of. Uh, one of them is just in general thinking outside the box in analytic uh, moments, like thinking about just just systems, uh, systems and and yeah, just systems and markets that don't follow the general trends because they're not big enough because they don't follow the general things. So those type of gamification, system tokenization, I think I have a good eye for. And then uh, in particular, uh, uh, you know, having a I'm a person that uh, that that, that cannot be bought. Uh, so I'm very straight and honest with all the interactions that I have with all of the artists and all of the participants. Uh, and I think that has, uh, you know, led to some, you know, deep conversations with the artists that uh, uh, that have allowed me to really get very, very close in uh, uh, to them. And, uh, and there's a trust formation there that I think uh, 
uh, is deeper than in other cases. So that, I would say that. And you brought up a point a second ago, and it's really the the understanding of there's a big difference between an ERC 721 contract and an ERC 1155 contract. And these are types of yes. things that that most artists, you know, they're like, why, you know, they, they created the medium and they're not understanding. How do how do you when you're 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 kind of walking through like you know, in some cases, people just put them out on the wrong contract and they're already out there. They already exist. They've already been sold. How do you kind of, you know, re-educate and make sure that, that these types of, of mistakes are, are not going to happen in the future? Because it's a big, it's a big deal and a big difference. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And the reality is that, I, in my opinion, we shouldn't expect artists to really know these differences the same way that in the traditional world, uh, you know, we use service providers that do certain things better than us to do. I um, mean, things I don't, uh, you know, I use an accountant for the things that I need to use an accountant. I use a lawyer for what I need to use a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, artists who use the technologies for this and to really understand uh, the implications of using one or the other. The reality is that there's not only 721 and 1155, there's many other standards and there's many standards outside of Ethereum as well. Yeah. And just keeping track of this is very important. One thing that I always tell artists that I didn't say before when they're coming in is exactly what you said. Once you put something in the blockchain, even if you burn it, it's there. Yep. It's there. You can see it. It's there forever. So, uh, uh, you know, the best way uh, uh, to, to really make sure that your career is properly done is to not mint things that are not properly mint, well, properly minted in the right place. And this is a, a huge thing for me. That's why I tell people, don't go directly in OpenSea. Don't go directly in one of these platforms without really thinking about everything else around it. The technological aspect is just one of them, but there's many, many other ones uh, to consider as well. I will be very, very thoughtful and personally get closer to those service providers that are providing, that are a lot more knowledgeable than you uh, in this case, and that can provide uh, uh, the services that are very, very important, not only in technology, but in everything else. Yeah. So, so Pablo, in your mind, and again, it's the, the workflow is number one, like having a, a gallery, like what, what, you know, the artist is and what you guys do, you know, to own that smart contract and to own, and to kind of help facilitate that. Do you believe that the art gallery should be the facilitators of those smart contracts or it should still sit with the artist and the artist is the owner and facilitator of the smart contract? So I personally think that, uh, you know, let, let me open up this conversation up a little bit because, uh, you know, NFTs is a huge, it's a very, very uh, big word. It's kind of like saying assets in the traditional world. I think we need to concentrate on the different uh, segments within the NFT ecosystem. In, in my humble opinion, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's this digital land that we we're talking about before, collectibles, art. Uh, we're going to see a lot of gaming, which I, I personally think we're going to see a huge evolution there. And, and we can talk about where I think uh, this might be going in the future, the next way. But uh, uh, the reality is that uh, I, I personally think that in art in particular, things really shouldn't be fully decentralized. That's not the end goal here. That's not the ethos of what we're trying to do here with art. For me and what we do in artist is we're just utilizing uh, uh, artist as a tool. Uh, sorry, uh, blockchain, uh, the technology, blockchain technology as a tool uh, to further engage with art, to further have interoperability, to be a better certificate of authenticity, provenance, history, and ownership. Uh, and again, as a tool, just to have this further interaction, not at the end. So I, for artists, I don't see any major reason why they should really own uh, their uh, smart contract unless, for some reason, their work is blockchain-based in different ways, like uh, the case of PAC, for example, that is... You know, he's, he's really technical, he's very digitally native, and his works really have to do a lot with, with, uh, with, with that. But otherwise, I, they should be aware of what the smart contract does and, and, and the possibilities that they have, but I, I just don't see the full decentralization aspect when, when it comes to art. 
Interesting. The, um, yeah. you know, so, so, you know, and we've heard this from a variety of ways. And, and again, you as the, the pre predominant, you know, kind of collector and advisor in the space. I mean, you, you brought people, uh, you know, one of, one of the few people that was early on with people to understand the value there. Um, and, and so that's where I always want to know is what is, what is the future signature look like? You know, because to, to us, the artwork can be, you know, again, once it's on chain, it's digital. It can be, you know, everyone can have it as their wallpaper and the screen, but that ownership. And so that, that kind contract, you know, to, to me was always like, that's the artist's signature. Um, but they're very hard <laughs> to, to maintain and they're very dangerous to maintain on your own if you don't know how to manage that. You know, you hear about, uh, I just saw a minute ago, Seth Green was was doing a, a, a movie on his board ape and it got, you know, he, his wallet got compromised and it got stolen and there goes his intellectual property. So, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of ways that I, I'd be curious of how you talk to your clients and your artists to manage this digital wallet in a space that is, you know, again, makes art theft in the real world look like, you know, a, a rare event. Yeah, again, so so again, as I was talking a little bit before, the infrastructure is just not ready for the average uh, customer, for the regular customer, uh, not the extraordinarily tech, uh, technologically, uh, blockchain technologically uh, uh, savvy savvy people. The reality is that I think, you know, what we're doing in our is the right way to move forward. Uh, there's no reason why individuals should be handling their own accounts, particularly for, I mean, if, if you're not talking about humongous amounts of money, and even if that's the case, I will go with institutional custody anyways. The reality is that this is just, again, a technology that we're using, and we can we can, we can can benefit all, we can use all the benefits of decentralization without really going through that. So what we're doing in our is, again, is we, we custody for you, and we have, we have been working with the best experts in the field, uh, in blockchain development, and in, and in security infrastructure with Kudelski, so uh, like it's it's in, in, impossible pretty much to penetrate. Uh, I mean, I, I'm touching uh, wood here, uh, making sure that, <laughs> that it doesn't happen. But the reality is that the same as with everything else, leave that to the professionals and utilize, in my opinion, some. Uh, I hope that we can start seeing more infrastructure coming to the space that allows you to do a you know a, a not self custody uh, wallet, but participate in that in that same way. Uh, in a very secure market, uh, meaning, meaning because we're we're seeing not only Seth Green, but we're seeing countless of times this happening, and even to uh, blockchain sophisticated people, uh, this is a, a real issue. Yeah, yeah. No, we, um, you know, we we as an ecosystem for Y whales, we just signed up and we're using Fireblocks now. And if you're in any way familiar mm-hmm. with that, it's you know, yeah, yeah, it, yes. it really is where things are going. But it's sixty thousand dollars a year. So for the average person who may only have one or two digital, you know, pieces of art, that's that's not a well. Maybe I don't know how much the art is. Um, but you know, for for what you're doing, and you're saying that you'll help custody, and, and as a professional, they still get the value. You know, Cat can still put it on her screen behind her; she can enjoy it. But the, but the value of of that is is locked up and secured the same way as you'd want it in a, in a traditional vault. So I love that idea around theirs. Uh, and they can always choose, you know, for the very technical people that feel very comfortable, they can always choose to withdraw it to their own self-custody wallet uh, and, you know, take full ownership. I personally just don't recommend many things, uh, even in my activities when I uh, when I purchase things in Aris or when I purchase things in Nifty Gateway, for example. Uh, I, I feel very confident living in their, in their exchange, someone works in their exchange and it's a significant amount of value and, no, they are professional and 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 uh, and yeah, it's probably safer than, than, than me hosting them. Yeah, I wanted yeah. and uh, wanted you to talk a little bit about sort of the permissionless nature of now buying, you know, extraordinary works of art versus at galleries, you know, traditionally. And um, you know, my background is collecting legendary art, and then having moved into this space, and I find it. Um, 
very freeing. And um, it's, you know, I, I, I like this. I like the movement into this space because of the permissionless nature. Yeah, so again, this is one of the things that for me was the aha moment, that ability that really anybody with an understanding of the internet and the blockchain could really go and participate and engage and, and purchase openly without really needing any intermediaries, uh, uh, any works. However, I personally think that this is fantastic and this is something I love. I've gotten to meet so many uh, amazing artists and, and creatives uh, uh, and it's way it's fantastic. But uh, the reality is I do think that over time we will see in a different format, but, you know, again, um, a little bit more barriers in between as artists get a little bit more sophisticated in trying to distribute uh, a little bit their works. But uh, it's, 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 it's lovely that, you know, once, uh, once the work is out there, and that's why you need to be very thoughtful about what you put out there and how you put out there. Uh, but once it's out there, it's, it's, it's really, you can't, you, you, you can't do anything about it. You can't take it back. You can't delete it. And you can't, uh, bring it back from an, uh, from an account. So again, just being very mindful of, 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 of how that's done. But I, I, I personally like that aspect that sometimes you find an artist and without, you know, without anything, you can just go and, and put a bid and, 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 and start running a relationship that way. It's, it's a lot more different than going to a gallery and, um, and, you know, and having those conversations and getting the catalog and, and going and see many things. And it's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's very different. It's very different. Pablo, yeah. are you seeing the traditional collectors like, you know, a cat that, that are used to walking into the galleries? They're, they're avid collectors of art. They're avid enthusiasts of, of the, the fine art world. Are you seeing them making this conversion or do you think, or is it an entirely new generation that's, that's, that's going after the digital art? Yes, I am certainly seeing this, but I would separate it uh, into two uh, into two segments as well here, uh, where I see we're seeing a lot of the activity, and please, uh, without any disrespect at all, but this is just the case with any uh, 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 any any new industry. There's been a lot of people uh, that have come into the space uh, uh, with uh, with less education and sophistication uh, than some of the participants in the more traditional art space, and therefore, uh, uh, you know, we have seen. Uh, you know, a lot of activity, but perhaps not focus on the on the right on the right things uh, and the right choices. We have also seen, on top of this, a huge amount of people that are really not uh, collecting, uh, but are really utilizing this as, as commodities, as financial uh, as financial assets, as another training uh, trading uh, purpose that they come from the blockchain. And in my opinion, this ratio is a little bit too high. Uh, it's too many. It's, uh, that proportion is a little bit too too high, and uh, and, uh, and I hope it's, it's, it it changes. Uh, it, it goes down uh, a little bit, but overall, uh, 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 we are seeing some people come in. Uh, the problem is that it's very difficult to go to the current marketplaces that are out there. And again, there's so much work out there, and there's no curation in between that you don't even know where to look. I mean, it's uh, it's it's you see uh, uh, some of the most amazing works uh, of this of the movement being created, which I think are, again are going to be the most amazing works. Uh, 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 in the future, uh, I think uh, that these artists and creators are going to be like like rock stars, like movie stars uh, 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 in the future. Um, and then you see somebody putting a Bitcoin logo with a filter and calling it art. Now, again, I have nothing. I have nothing against uh, uh, everybody should have the place to be creative. Uh, but the reality is that the infrastructure right now is not properly built for that. We are artists are trying to build that bridge to uh, uh, bring that people over. And we're doing so by, again, by making it extraordinarily easy uh, for everybody to participate. You just need a username, a password, and a credit card. Uh, if you wish, it's that easy. And, and by having extraordinarily curated and uh, working with the best artists and very 
very, very, very good art. So you know that what you're getting there, you know it's 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 high quality, and uh, we we are seeing a huge amount of uh, over eighty percent of our transactions happen with credit card, which uh, which which to me this uh, is uh, is uh, signifies that we're really getting a lot of people more from the traditional world. And again, we we certainly have a lot of the a lot of very significant traditional collectors that you're. Uh, many names that are very known that have already actively participated in our platform and others. The reality is that every conversation that I have with anybody from the traditional domain, whether it's artists, uh, uh, the auction houses, or the artists, uh, or, the, or the collectors, the interest is obviously there. Many of them have already made moves, uh, and, um, and they're just, again, little by little trying to find their ways. But uh, there's a few artists that, that do very well in this domain. Yeah. And I think it's just such a new space that in terms of art advising, right? It's just so new. Like, who is, like, there are very few people in the world right now who would be expert art advisors in both legendary and crypto art and and be able to, like, shepherd you because it is so new. And I think, um, you know, like, for my, like, I do have a legendary art advisor, but I have not leaned on her for my, you know, crypto art choices, right? So I've I've sort of taught her about it <laughs> um, versus the other way around. Um, and I had to do my own research and, and just do things based off of what I liked. Um, but you're right. I think people are in the space and they're just... Um, the, the majority of the people I see are in the space to get in and to flip, flip. They just want to flip. They're using them, you know, more as the you know, looking at them as a PFP projects and looking to flip instead of understanding sort of a collection, what a collection is. Exactly. I completely agree, Kat. This is exactly the case. Again, we need, really need to segment, you know, the PFP, the monkeys, the punks, all those things. It's uh, it's not the same as, as really high-end art. But I think we're, we're starting to see some real translation and interest. Uh, we just saw Refika Nadal selling uh, a very, very uh, important work in Christie's uh, for a significant amount. Uh, uh, just a few weeks ago with an amazing project uh, in Casa Barlio in, in Barcelona. Uh, we saw as well Andre Reisinger not long ago uh, doing the same last year, like uh, late last year with a fantastic Andre Reisinger rack and, and arcade. So with a fantastic, fantastic project that was very sophisticated, also re- received tremendous positive interest. We, of course, saw what people did with Human One, where it was just presented at Castello di Rivoli, a very significant museum in in, in, in Italy. Uh, and again, uh, many things I cannot comment. I cannot give you this exact alpha just yet, but uh, uh, I can k- give you just a little bit of this alpha. Uh, we are starting to see, we're going to see very soon a major, major, major museum um, uh, doing a, a full digital exhibition alone, uh, which is uh, from one of these uh, artists. Yes, so... This is this is this is very very exciting stuff, and again, little by little, it's getting there. Uh, of course, we've seen Urs Fischer as well. Urs Fischer has a lot of the big collectors uh, from the traditional world that have actually have come and, and collected these works as well. So it's you know it's 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 little by little, it's getting there. The institutions are coming in, more galleries are getting together, and and I, I it's certainly it's slowly but certainly happening. The interest is certainly there. You know, it's really interesting. I'm, I. I while we're talking, it's and your your site works so easily. I made it an account, and I can you know already start buying and 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 selling and everything else. But I think it's really interesting because to to me, there's there's a the, there's two problems that are, are 
concurrent in crypto, whether it's coins, NFTs, or anything, is I'm really good with the buy button. I have no idea when to sell. And, and that's, and that's like, you know, in any art, there's, you know, there's, there's the demand and, and, you know, you can't hold forever. I mean, you can, it depends on what, what your, you know, what, what your thesis is, but how are you, you know, in, in, in this program? Cause now you have, you, now you know what they own, you've got their email address, you know, how can you help advise people that, that want to have not flips, but, you know, short, short to medium term investments into artwork and, and continue to grow or evolve their 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 collection. How do you how do you help manage that um, from a, a, a user's perspective? Uh, yeah, so I personally think that, that again by having extraordinary quality, you know, when you have high quality artists and uh, you are working with the best artists in the best projects, uh, you know, uh, uh, and you're attracting uh, this type of collectors, it's very very difficult to really go wrong. Again, this is uh, this is not the the P- what we we're talking about before with kind of the PFP things where things are going up, uh, you know, hundred times in. In two days, I think those days of the blockchain uh, are fully over, and it's not what we're trying to accomplish here. We're trying to accomplish again, uh, bringing together artists that are really ahead of their practice, uh, that are perhaps not being uh, as as followed by the traditional uh, audience as they should be, even though they're leading this ecosystem. And 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 in general, like pretty much anything that you see in there, uh, I think has uh, you know high probabilities of of. Of, of, of appreciating long term. Uh, you know, it's a difficult question for me because I, uh, I personally, I do my art collecting and patronats out of, really out of patronats and out of, out of legacy. Uh, I've really only sold three works, uh, uh, ever in my life. They have been for different reasons than monetary. Uh, uh, but the reality is that, uh, you know, uh, I always think that uh, you make, you make, you make the investment when you purchase, not when you sell. And then, and then, and the and the reality is that you have to be very thoughtful about what you choose, and hopefully we're doing a lot of that work for you already in Arist uh, uh, by by pre-selecting, uh, pre-curating uh, uh, all of these amazing artists. That's amazing, and I'm glad to know that my my sell button it works as well as yours. So I, I, <laughs> I look at it and go, you know, we're so early, everything is so early right now. Like you know, we we think about you know, Cat, you got me into some of the you know the very early you know bitcoins and some of those other ones that I, I've collected oh, over t- over time. Yeah. And, you know, I have these and it's, it's just like, there's, they're not for sale. You know, there's a bunch of others for sale, but like, to me, it's like, if I, if it doesn't gain value over the next decade, and that's the way I look at these, it's a five to 10 year, if I'm going to buy it now, like it has to have value in the long terms. And so, you know, I, I know nothing about art. Like I, I have, I'm absolutely, you know, not, that's not what I do. So I rely on, on, on someone like Kat and others to, to kind of say, here's the, the story behind this. And, and I, so I really, to me, you know, as someone who wants to invest in the space that wants to have exposure into the, the, the fine art asset class of, of NFTs, I really appreciate what, you know, what, what you've done here to help curate, um, and then also facilitate the, the purchase of these. Cause fraud is, you know, like it's rampant. Um, and, and then the ability yeah. to kind of collect these things. So, I mean, there's, there's one, I'm, I, I have my finger over the buy button here for a artificial <laughs> reef at, at $500. Um, uh-huh, fantastic. yeah. So, I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, I was just going to say um, at the Quirlis, we're putting on an event at NFT NYC on June 22nd, a conversation with Sarah Mayojas and Magnus Resch on crypto art history and the future of crypto art. And we would love for you to be a part of that conversation if you're available. Um, I think you would. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you are. <laughs> so I, I, I remind me the date again, but absolutely. I love Sarah. June. Sarah Mayovas is uh, one of the most amazing artists. She's really a pioneer and extraordinarily thoughtful, sophisticated, one to watch. Again, 
uh, 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 it's a fantastic choice with that Bitcoin. It's a very, not only a very early project, but a very sophisticated project. Uh, it's yeah. certainly very going to age very well. I'm sorry, but, but before you go back to, uh, uh, to the, to the date and, and, and of course you consider me, I can certainly so, participate in that. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah yeah. is, um, one of my founders of the Krillist and I was uh, one of the early collectors of Bitcoin. In fact, I have the, first three in real life rose petals i mean i have a whole bunch of other bitcoin that is i've kept digitally but um the the rose petals are actually i could probably show you them they're they're the only ones if anyone has like burned their i don't know if you can see them they're like yes yes i can see them yes on the wall there so um and so she's amazing and i just thought you know this conversation with her um, and Magnus and you would be incredible. It's June 22nd during NFT NYC, 6 yes. to 7 p.m. at um, Noya House, Madison, if you can All right. join. I will try to, certainly will try to join. I will connect right after to, to confirm, but, but awesome. 100%, you can consider me there. Awesome. Yeah. Pablo, yeah. I, I, I want to uh, talk about uh, climate and, and sustainability. I, th- I know that's a, a, a yeah. big thing with you, but so, and I'm, I'm going yeah. to give you a, a softball, a couple softball questions. So when we're talking about, you know, sustainability and, and you know, ecological impact, to me, digital, like you've already won. Because we're we're not physically uh, shipping things around the world. There, there's it, it just lives on a chain, and depending on how that's stored, it feels like there's you know we just the fact that it's digital, it's it's much more climate friendly. What what's your perception? And what do you and what's you know kind of your thoughts around this? Because it's it's a big thesis uh, of yours here. Yeah, no, just in general that that again uh, we cannot fault the users uh, uh, of the technology for using the technology. The reality is that we need to face uh, and try to find ways to make this extraordinarily more efficient, uh, uh, not as harmful for the for the for the environment. The reality is that again you can do today so many things that you can uh, and more and better and faster and more efficient in other chains that you get that you can in Ethereum. And uh, we have a duty to for that. So for me, it's very clear. It's the move to, without getting too technical, but it's the move to, to proof of stake. It's a very, very clear move that I think uh, should be used for uh, for pretty much every single application outside of Bitcoin. And uh, we should all strive and we all have a duty towards utilizing these more efficient ways. Again, I think there, there's, there's some misunderstanding in general of how um, how the blockchain operates and how the emissions really work. It's not fully tied directly to the activity on the chain certainly the activity incentivizes more mining but the reality is that you could have zero we could turn off all the nfts tomorrow in ethereum and it will still produce the same amount of of of, of carbon that it does uh, that, that it did yesterday yes. uh, the reality is uh, the reality however is that uh, again there's incentivizing there but uh, uh, for me the clear way is to not only uh, uh utilize other more efficient ways of, of doing these computations that we're doing uh, technologically and on the blockchain uh but also you know utilizing other projects or st- uh, on top to uh, offset or to help the environment in other ways uh how we try to do it personally with the purchase of carbon credits and we have other initiatives that we're going to put forward um and of course working with uh, with Algorand. uh but uh yeah just m- many other projects that, that, that around that uh, i think it's again it's a major, massive duty and there's absolutely no reason why we should keep doing this in ethereum uh when it's really not necessary uh uh for the for the for the level of the assets that we have here no, and, and it really is, you know, it's, it's always a good thought to have. I mean, proof of work is, is uh, you know, again, there's really Bitcoin and Ethereum are the, are the last two and Ethereum's moving to, pr- to proof of stake. What, what's, you know, 
as, as these, these arts, you know, everything's moving around the world so fast. Does that dynamically change the thought of ownership when you can move something so quickly that, you know, it's on, it's on a screen, you know, one second, like Kat's got it on her screen behind her right now, but within five minutes she could sell that and, and it'd be gone. Does that dynamically change a little bit about, about kind of the art collectors and, and the thought around that just because of the speed? It's it's a good question. I haven't really thought uh, thought about it uh, thought about that much. Uh, uh, but the reality is that you know, for me, I feel even more secure with holding assets in the blockchain uh, uh, than I do with holding certain assets in real life. The reality, though, is that this is still a barrier, uh, in my opinion, that is not exactly the case for everybody else. They don't see the tangibility and the security uh, 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 of of some of these assets. Uh, I do think that again, this is an educational thing. It's the same as. As, as when we started seeing the, the rise of the internet, there's certain, you know, dynamics that we're, uh, we weren't used to, but it will certainly change and continue to change the way that we interact and uh, interact, uh, particularly outside of the art, in particular in financial applications. I mean, it's extraordinary. The reality is that the sophistication and innovations that we're seeing in that domain, it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly something. Well, it, cha- it changes the liquidity, you know, right now it's, you know, art, art is probably not considered a, a, a extremely liquid asset but the fact that you know if you say hey i suddenly you know need to to raise funds for any variety of reasons that you could you could liquidate and and you know an art art project from you know at midnight from your bed um and and raise those funds dynamically changes the thought of of holding these assets for people that that are you know traditionally more more considered you know like uh you know investors of stocks and and other things Yes, yes, but I want to be careful here, and this is, you know, I'm a huge proponent of everything blockchain and everything NFT, everything digital art, but the reality is that I'm a, I really, really always say uh, the blockchain promise where everything just multiplies by a lot, uh, you find liquidity everywhere, it's it's really not the case, Uh, you really need to be very thoughtful about uh, the assets that you purchase in order for this to happen. There's certainly a humongous opportunity, uh, certainly another level of liquidity, or, or again, you can wake up in the middle of the night, put a... Uh, put a work for sale, but you need, still need to find this buyer. I, I, I would say that, uh, uh, that again, if you want to find that liquidity here, it's much, much easier, uh, but you still have to have the right assets. There's a lot more uh, uh, NFTs out there than what they, they're going to be repurchasing secondaries. Uh, and again, uh, uh, only like, like in the traditional world, the top of the top of the top will always have liquidity. Uh, uh, the rest is going to be a little bit more difficult. Any yeah. any comments on utility around uh, th- these 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 works of art? The fact that I own you know a, a variety of a variety of, of uh, you know like so, Cat just showed off the Bitcoin, and Cat can use the utility of that Bitcoin to actually physically redeem a, a physical object. Do we think that that's going to be something happening more in the future, where someone can purchase the digital version and then go they're going to go trade it on the physical side of things, or how do what do you see the future of that evolving to? So I'll be fully honest on how I try to be a little bit direct with this here, but 100% in that part, I'm just not sure if I would call that like full utility uh, in this case, uh, uh, or more like a, just a part of the project. Uh, part of, but, but like for me, art, uh, there should have no more utility than being art in itself. Again, this is a process of the artistic process, which is the retention for the physical and the digital and for me, part of the project. But I don't need my art to be able to be staked or to be able to uh this is in my opinion is the wrong way to think about this i st- i think of utility is a massive play in all other aspects of nfts in most of the aspects in gaming for sure uh but with art personally i am happy with the proper use of the medium uh and again 
uh, 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 you know what what Bitcoin is doing and what uh, other artists are doing with the physical and digital redemptions. Let me see. I'm right. I'm right. I'm moving right now and I'm moving a few things, but I also have a physical redemption of a few uh, digital artists around here, uh, and I think it's fascinating. I think that look the same way that uh, people are getting used to creating and, uh, uh, and and doing everything on the digital domain. People still live their life on the physical domain. So that conversation for me. It's super interesting. It's where through the collection and through artists, I'm really focused on those again that conversation between digitally native but physically represented works. I think I think I find that fascinating. That's fabulous. Yeah, one of one of the interesting things um, about Aerist, uh, um, which which I love when um, you had uh, the auction for Rafik's works, you, you got both the NFT. And the physical sent to you as well, which I thought was great. So you had something in the real world that you could put on your wall, but you also have the NFT in your collection um, on Arist. And I and and you know that's something you know I know Beeple's done that as well. Sent is I, I have a physical of his as well. You know he sends a physical, and you also have that NFT that you could show on a screen. So I think. That's something that's very interesting right now in this space, especially for like artists that you are really collecting, you know, as part of your collection, because, you know, people do want to see it on more than just your phone, you know, scrolling on your phone. A hundred percent. But um, so I had another question for you, um, just because you're, you are such a pioneer in this space, um, you know, other than your family and your children, What's the legacy you want to leave behind? I think you're uniquely <laughs> positioned to do to leave a very important legacy. Oh, I'm losing you. Oh, Kat, you got him to freeze. <laughs> oh, sorry, I lost you. I'm, I'm back. I'm you're back. Good. I'm Keep back. going. I lost you there. I lost you there for a second. <laughs> but the legacy I want to leave behind. I mean, that's a big. That's a big question. The reality is that. You know, in many ways, it's an egotistical way of 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 of, of looking at this this way. But uh, you know, it would be great to be remembered as one of the key architects and one of the key drivers uh, of this ecosystem. Again, as I mentioned before, I do think that uh, this movement will have such a bigger impact on uh, on 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 the traditional ecosystem, on the on the on the fabric of society uh, than the top tier uh, uh, artists have today. Again, no disrespect for them. I absolutely love them. I collect them, but I do think that it's going to be. Uh, 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 a huge difference and uh, you know I, I, I love uh, being a part of this a part of the history and having been alongside them uh, 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 again this is not a, a monetary thing for me but really a passion project and the legacy that I want to leave behind is having been able to give good uh, advice and good patronage to uh, uh, facilitate this ecosystem moving forward Pablo so it, for, for someone like me that that mm-hmm. you know again I, I have I have no concept of of art other than sometimes I see things I like, um, but but clearly want to to invest in the space. Can can you give three you know kind of points of advice of of ways you know like three metrics of which should be very important no matter what you know what the whether it's physical or digital art that people should be thinking about in their heads. Okay, uh, so for me, it's very important to, you know, it's, it's not so much about a particular work of art, although there are so always exceptions, but it's so much more about the, the, the full strength of the artistic career. So for me, it's very, very important to get to understand, maybe not necessarily, I, I personally love to get to 
know the artist in particular, uh, but in some cases, even if they're not alive, uh, in general, get to understand their career very, very well and which works, uh, the, the works that you're thinking of acquiring, uh, how do they play into their career, uh, uh, how, how did it evolve from what was there before and, and how did it help to get to where the artist was getting forward and in the case that it's very uh, present, uh, very new work, uh, you know, where, where where is the artist going? I think this is very, very, very important. I believe that there's a lot of creatives around the world now and it takes a lot more than a create, uh, just having creativity, creativity uh, uh, to be a successful artist. So I always, I, I look at all of the virtues and values that also make a good human, a good entrepreneur, a good anything else. So I would like to see people that are disciplined, that are thoughtful, that are, you know, good. I, I personally, I think it's important. I, I like to like artists uh, uh, that I can speak with that are good people that are, that are fun, that are engaging, that I can have a, a relationship, a conversation uh, that are not difficult people. And then, um, you know, again, I think, I, I think discipline is very, very, very important and, and mastery, mastery and knowledge of the tools that you use the same way that, uh, that traditionally, you know, a painter needs to perfectly know everything about the canvases, about the paints, about the brushes, about everything. I think these digital creators, it's super, super important that they know that they are masters of the tools and can really uh, get their creativeness to a reality that is high level. And then, uh, uh, it, at least in this movement, uh, I guess it also applies to the traditional world and it goes with the mastery. It's, it's, it's the proper use of the medium. If you're going to use this uh, medium in a certain way, make sure that you're utilizing and innovating on that, on that, on that work. Um, and then, uh, for me, the one, the one last thing that I always look at, uh, it's so important. Uh, for the question you had before, if you don't want to lose your value, uh, looking at the collector base, it's a little bit more opaque in the traditional world where you don't really know exactly where the works are. But for me, that's a humongous thing. Uh, understanding what type of either institutions or, or personal collectors they have they have reached uh, uh, and why, what's the story behind. So, yeah, I guess all of these things are pretty important. No, the, the, that was a fabulous, fabulous answer on there. So. This is that point where I say, let's take a quick pause um, and make sure you can take a drink. Um, and was there anything that we didn't cover from uh, from from your project or anything else, uh, Pablo, that, that you want to make sure that we cover? Um, and, and I'm still going to ask you at the very end, I'm going to, you know, how do, how do you want people to reach you? How do you want people to engage, you know, with, with, uh, uh, with your platform. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, was there any, was there any big section that you want us to le- give you a leading question into? Uh, I think we covered a lot of things, Scott. I, I'm, I'm you're a little bit more aware of ours as well. I don't know if there's anything that really stands out from there that you would like to discuss. Perhaps maybe a little bit of uh, uh, maybe discuss a little bit further of some of the plans that we have uh, for closer to the end of the year. Okay. Uh, some of the commissions that we have and uh, a few things that are happening. Okay, so I'm gonna yeah, and I'm maybe gonna... some artists to watch too. I think that would be that would be great for the alpha. That that'd be good for, for the, the alpha, alpha drop section. So so I'm gonna give <laughs> yes. you the uh, especially so... one of them that's gonna be in the museum. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, you 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 might already know one of them and own one of them. So, Pablo, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you, uh, give you a leading question as we come back into this with, uh, you know, kind of what's the roadmap for uh, the uh, a artist um, that we, you know, kind of through the rent of the year and beginning of next year, um, and then after that, we'll we'll talk about like who's who's the artist to watch, like who should people go to. So, sound good. Yes, we'll, sounds we'll fantastic. All right, so bring it back in. Three, two. Um, so, Pablo, you, again, it, I can't thank you enough for all the knowledge you've given us, and you're not—you don't get to run away yet. But really, talk to us about kind of the roadmap for your platform, and and what what really we should be kind of expecting for the evolution of of the a, a artist, and you know, kind of through the end of the year and early next year. 
Well, that's a great question. Thank you very much. Yeah, the reality is that we have something extraordinarily, I think, planned for the end of the year. We have two fantastic, uh, uh, one incredible commission by Random International uh, that I think is going to redefine digital immersive experiences, uh, digital physical immersive experiences. Uh, uh, I think it's something new, something creative, something super high-end, as, as always, with Random International. And we're very, very excited for that. And that's going to be presented during uh, Art Basel in Paris uh, in October. Uh, and again, we're working on the final details on where we're going to present the rest. But we have an incredible uh, project by Guayola uh, that will be released very soon, as well as uh, a project by Andres Reisinger uh, that will be released very soon, that both are very sophisticated, uh, very new, very engaging. And then before the end of the year, we will also do the last... Uh, the release of the last work by Jonas Long, the MVP that we were talking about before, the generative work that is collector, uh, uh, collector, uh, uh, yeah, collector engaging, uh, with the choices of the collectors really affect all the other works in the in the collection. So the last version, the most valuable painting, the MVP, uh, will be will be released at some point uh, soon as well. But overall, the general vision is to keep on going to the major events, art center events around the world. So Art Basel, Freeze, uh, other conferences, even some, uh, city or country, uh, uh shows, et cetera, and do these big activations at the grand scale, what I always call these big mind projects with, with the best artists. And the best artists are not the most known, nor the ones that sell the most. So the ones that are really pushing the boundaries of, of, of both art and technology, utilizing the medium well. And bringing something innovative, new, and at the grand scale, and and, and we're we're very very excited for uh, 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 for what's coming soon. I, I love that you're. Yeah, I mean, really, you're a trailblazer of blending the physical and digital side of this entire asset class. Um, because without you doing some of these things, like a majority of the fine art world would, would not know. And so, you know, CAD is, you know, you've been in this for, for a long time, but there's a lot of people that, that, you know, again, are physical art collectors that still have no idea about digital art. And what they do know is generally wrong. So I, I, I think, again, what you've, what you've built and what you're doing to help curate and, and educate is, is massive in and around the space. Um, thank so, you. So thank you. Just, I just want to... One second, yeah, I just want to say that, that, that this has not been me, has been a tremendous amount of people that are doing all this all together, uh, people like Kat and many other people around, and of course, the amazing team at Aris, that it's, I mean, it's, it's, they're so amazing, they are, they're extraordinarily prepared and, and very knowledgeable and, and have really put uh, a lot of effort into, into bringing this together, so we're, we're very happy to be doing so. So, so with Aris, and again, you guys are curating the artists, you're curating, curating everything that comes there. What, what's just some uh, on your platform today? What, what's uh, you know two or three, uh, or you can give me every. I'm sure everyone's special, but kind of two <laughs> or three for for the novice that, that should look at and you sh- and you can say they're pushing a little bit of the boundaries of of not just the the physical side of things, but the the blending of, of physical and digital. And you guys do a lot of that. Who who's some of the ones just to watch uh, for kind of some emerging um, you know emerging uh, representation of that. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, there's so many artists that I would re- really like to highlight in this, but I think, uh, you know, easy, easy ones that really translate to those people that are more used to traditional aesthetics and traditional art. I think it's, you know, something like Andre Reisinger, uh, is extraordinary and his new body of work that he's releasing now. It's, it's new experimentation. It's, it's, it's an incredible evolution of what he was doing before and fascinating. I really recommend Andre Reisinger. We have another person like David Equayola. He's a master, has been doing this, uh, for generations, really. Uh, and is uh, really at the forefront of the digitalization by utilizing uh, uh, physical 
uh, inspirations and then digitalizing with very high-end algorithms. And, uh, and it's, it's just incredible. His name is David Guayola. I will be presenting a massive installation as well uh, very soon. But one to really follow, uh, uh, I think one of the greats is, is going to really uh, change everything, David Guayola. Uh, and uh, you, know, you know, of course, people like Refik, Refik Anadol is, is one that is certainly not going anywhere. He's really engaged with the ecosystem. He's really pushing the boundaries. And he always has the physical and digital component. Again, I would like to mention, this is unfair, I would like to mention so many other artists uh, uh, as well that are that are extraordinary. Uh, uh, with, just with Drift, with Jonas Loom, with Rafael Rosenthal, which is, I mean, that project with Rafael Rosenthal uh, uh, was fascinating in Venice, uh, uh, in Venice, and just in general, uh, so, so many other artists. Yeah, yeah I, I, listen, I, I don't mean to make you pick some favorites. I just, I, I'm, I'm literally here shopping and I just want to make sure that I can kind of have, have a good starting point of which was curated by Pablo from, from uh, Erst. Um, Kat, yeah. any uh, kind of final questions as, as we get ready to bring this to a close? Um, the only other question I have for you is sort of how you are, I know you have young kids, and um, how you talk to them about art. Um, for those listening who have children, you know, we're in this, you know, kind of a brave new world right now. So I'm just curious. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, so it's fascinating. I absolutely love it. And I, I'm very lucky that I have uh, uh, my wife. She's extraordinary and she's very creative. She's a designer and an architect. She's fabulous at what she does. So really, uh, art, aesthetics has always been embedded in our family. The reality is that with our child, We've been very, very focused. I made it a, a huge thesis for us of, of embedding her yeah, in art, in aesthetics, in culture since the very beginning. So even though she has her own room, uh, 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 and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a kid's room in many ways, but the reality is that it's absolutely filled with art. It's absolutely filled with the tones, with, with just a general aesthetic that I think it's, it's, it's not very common. Uh, uh, in other places, it's really focused around, around certain art things. Even the animals, small animals that we buy, we buy them from the mama store or from another artistic way, and it's just uh, small things here and there. And of course, we teach her to live with the art. Uh, she's seen us around, uh, very active, engaging. We live with a collection, which, by the way, I uh, would love to show anybody's invited whenever they want to come and see mm-hmm. how we live with that. Um, we also collect analog art. Uh, we have a few significant pieces of analog art as well. Uh, we collect art. It just happens that uh, you know we have a concentration on digital art, but at home, we live with that conversation. We have, uh, it's not that you come into a home and it's full of screens. It's absolutely not how it is. Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's very subtle, very elegant. Uh, and again, that conversation between the physical and the digital, uh, you're all welcome to come. And, and, and my, you know, my daughter and the one that's coming very soon, uh, they're very used to going around. They're very respectful with those things. They can, they can, they live, they live around, around the house and they, they absolutely love it. So, uh, uh, they actually, with with many of them, they get mesmerized. Yeah. I, I very much appreciate the the concept of of what you said because I've been into those homes or those galleries, and it's like walking into a Best Buy with a hundred different screens on. Oh, the yeah. and, on one hand, like you know, clearly that's that's the way I operate. Um, but on the yeah. other hand, like living with that would be an entirely different different perspective. So no, no, and this is very important. One of the big things, the last thing that we need to fix or not fix or improve in this ecosystem is the is even for the. Uh, for the works that are just, let's say, just physical, we need better frames. We need better ways of showcasing them in the traditional world. I think this is going to be a huge moment that's going to help a lot more than traditional uh, players come in. This is something that we're doing in areas. We also give advice on how to put certain uh, ways, how to display certain works in uh, uh, in the best way, always with the in conversations with the artists as well. But yes, there's nothing more colder, in my opinion, than going to a place with all like full screens. That's not, in my opinion, how... 
uh, the future of how this art is going to be consumed is about being very subtle, uh, sophisticated, elegant. In our home, for example, we do have projections and we do have screens, uh, but they're never two in the same line of sight. Um, there's different components, different sizes. Some of them are custom made for a particular work. Some of them are, uh, it's just not always, uh, always like that. Yeah. I'm very, I am so excited when you eventually go into the metaverse and we see Pablo's true, you know, di- entire digitization of, of your art galleries and everything else. Because while we haven't talked about it and it's not in your roadmap, you never mentioned it. I, I know it's in your mind and, and something that we all think about. Um, Pablo, uh, obviously, Aorist is is gorgeous, beautiful site. Anyone, you know, absolutely please Thank check it out whether much. you're interested in art or not. It, I think this is a fabulous representation of a blending, you know, because again, you can use a credit card, you can wire money, or you can do the, the Web3 digital checkout. And so I just want to really commend you on, on a very well thought out website um, and, and kind of intro of how people can can interact with this. What's the best way to kind of uh, hear about what you guys are doing on, uh, working on? Is, is it Twitter? Is it uh, Instagram? Where, where can they kind of get the most up-to-date information about Pablo? Yeah, it's... Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and just creating an account as well and opting into the newsletter. Uh, you know, we send regular updates. Uh, we'll keep you updated on the on most of the releases. And of course, you can always reach out to me, um, Pablo R. Frail, in both Instagram and Twitter. And I can I can drop my email as well uh, if you wish, Jay. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah. Fabulous. All right, well, Pablo, uh, cat don't go anywhere. Uh, for all you y uh, this is Aortis. Uh Again, beautiful representation. And Kat, I so thank you for Cat uh, from the Krillist taking the time today to come talk to talk to Pablo with me because I am not the art uh, geek around here and you clearly are. And so this, I know, was a great conversation. Uh, for everyone else, we'll see you guys soon and uh, talk to you soon. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.